and welcome to Pod Academy. This podcast, Don't Say Gay, about introducing children to different sexualities, was first aired on CAMFM, Cambridge University's radio station. Today's programme investigates a new big question in LGBT politics. When to introduce children to the idea of alternative sexualities? Does it really rob primary school children of their innocence to introduce them to the idea that some people fall in love with members of the same sex? Furthermore, might it even be important to do so? We'll be speaking to sex education expert Fred Kayser. I think we ought to start talking about uh, homosexuality, by certainly by age five. And talking to members of Cambridge's LGBT community about their experiences discussing their sexuality with small children. You said, well, if you love her, what does it matter? And I was like, well, that's such insight for an eight-year-old. We'll also be chatting to teachers at St Matthew's Primary School about why they teach children about homosexuality. If you missed a girl, you were called gay. When there were girls arguing, it was you're a lesbian, your mum's a lesbian. It was used as a term of abuse constantly. I don't hear it anymore at all. And hearing how Iona, aged five, gets on with a children's book featuring gay characters. Wherever Roy went, Silo went too. Is Silo's gay? No, they're both boys. We'll also be hearing from those who oppose the idea, including Simon Darby from the BNP. We just expect that our kids are not indoctrinated with homosexual propaganda. But first, how has this issue become so controversial? Boy George's No Clause 28, a protest against Section 28 of the Local Government Act, banning discussion of homosexuality in schools. Not repealed until 2003, it meant that if you were born before 1993, It was illegal for your primary school teachers to even tell you what the word gay meant. The idea of introducing young children to homosexuality has, if anything, become more controversial in recent months. One daddy, one mummy, don't lie to the children, chanted hundreds of thousands of Parisians in January, protesting gay marriage and adoption. At the heart of their message, the idea that telling children that same-sex couples could parent was lying to them. So too in Russia. These activists support recent legislation in cities like St. Petersburg, which bans homosexual propaganda. In practice, this means any public discussion of homosexuality, including in schools. Meanwhile, last year in the United States... A bill in the Missouri legislature is one step closer to banning discussion of homosexuality in public schools. Now, it's being referred to as the Don't Say Gay Bill, and it's now moved into committee. Here in the UK, we're not necessarily more comfortable introducing small children to homosexuality. In January this year, Conservative Cabinet Minister David Jones expressed his doubts over the ability of gay people to raise children. I regard marriage as an institution that's developed over many centuries, essentially for the provision of a, a, a warm and, and a safe environment for the upbringing of children, which is clearly something that two same-sex partners can't do. And who can forget BNP leader Nick Griffin's appearance on Question Time in 2010? Militant homosexuals, not all of them, but militant ones, do not have the right to try and preach homosexuality to school children. That is perverse. Clearly, there's a great deal of opposition to the idea of teaching young children about gay relationships. Who wants alternative sexualities to be included in primary school-aged children's education? As a starting point... I looked at how the taboo on talking about homosexuality with small children had affected LGBT students here in Cambridge. Growing up in the shadow of Section 28, with no example of age-appropriate discussion from their school days, how had they dealt with coming out to younger relatives, 
and how had they found out what gay was? Here, in one of Cambridge's busy coffee shops, I caught up with Kate Champion, Ben Vincent, Emma Clement and Kim Millard. As far as like introducing children to it, I remember actually, like I actually had a book as a child which was called Heather Has Two Mommies. Like I think things like that, where it's just it's just a book and it's just telling someone oh, this actually exists. In my experience, I think it's interesting that people would often assume that a kid hearing this, they go, "Am I gay? Oh my God, what if I am? Then terrible things," and they have this sort of existential crisis. <laughs> I haven't seen any of that. They just sort of go, "I don't know." What's for tea? <laughs> My grandmother's gay and she's been in a relationship with her partner now for 33 years. So yeah, growing up I knew about gay people. I grew up in a village in the middle of the northeast of England, so of course it was bandied around the playgrounds. But I also knew about this wonderful relationship that my grandmother had with her partner, and I didn't associate the two of them at all. It took me until I was nine years old, and I was sitting in the back of a bus, and I turned to my mum and went, Mum, a nana and Helen lesbians? And she was like, well, yes. And it actually came as quite a shock to me to see something that I always thought was really nice and lovely and to associate it with something that as far as I knew was a bad thing. But despite the fact that you clearly have a great relationship with your with your nana mm. and have complete acceptance of her and her partner, mm. yet when you found out a true when you put two and two together and realised that is what lesbian is, you say mm. you experienced shock. Yeah, a really prevalent part of school was yeah. that gay was a bit of an insult until it got to around the stage where my friends were realising their sexuality and things then it was standard to use that. And there wasn't much of adult influence in saying, actually, guys, you shouldn't be saying that. I even remember an English teacher standing in front of the class and we were talking about war poetry and one of the uses was the word gay. And she was saying, oh, you know, the meaning of gays changed over the years. Back then it meant happy. Ten years ago it meant homosexual. Now it means, well, you use it as an insult, don't you? And we were all just like, yeah, we do. <laughs> and she was almost just solidifying it for us. But that's... I think honesty with children is is the best way. It's so simple to, to explain, and like yeah. I think that that as soon as a teachers go well oh ah uh, well oh well it's it's this oh well thing then like you know uh, they they pick up up on it so fast they go ah oh, there's something I could tease someone about. My dad got a new girlfriend over the summer. He had two sons, they're five and eight at the time. Um, they met my girlfriend because she was over quite a lot in summer and sort of had no real idea what was going on they'd be sort of banding around sort of that's gay you're gay um, with no real idea of what it was later on the uh, eight-year-old he overheard a conversation we were having um, that happened to contain homophobia and uh, later on in the kitchen he sort of turned around to me and was like um, so what what did that actually mean so obviously I had to explain that to him um, so then he understood about me and the girlfriend and uh, and he was perfectly okay with it just said well if you love her what does it matter and I was like well that's such insight for an eight-year-old <laughs> you'll never find a kid who once they properly understand and have an example to relate to won't accept something so my sister was always like very curious about about like my romantic life but when I told her that I had a girlfriend she was actually most worried about um, was whether or not she was gonna have uh, nieces and nephews she was really concerned about the whole procreation thing she's like but then I'm, I'm not gonna have you know where are the babies and I had to explain to her that of course 
I could have children and that it, I was going to have a family as, you know, I was planning to have a family. I, I think my sister was quite interesting because once she, she realized that there was one more than one kind of relationship, she kind of wanted to know, like, the rules, like, like who, so, like, so girls and girls can be together, okay, and, like, boys, what about boys, yeah, boys and boys, that's fine, and then, like, but, like, and then I, I started to, like, try, trying to introduce a little bit of, like, what about trans, and, like, that actually maybe, maybe you don't feel comfortable in the, the gender that you were, you were given originally. They're so receptive, they, they're asking these questions, they're wanting to know. Someone who knows all about the curiosity of children is Fred Kayser of New York University, author of What Your Child Needs to Know About Sex and When. For a time, he was in charge of sex education in New York, and told us that raising the issue of homosexuality with children was not only important, but inevitable. Every time I walk over to uh, this school, um, I'm walking down a very famous street in Greenwich Village called uh, Christopher Street. And Christopher Street is loaded with sex shops. And I always wonder, you know, what, what happens when you walk your five-year-old down Christopher Street every day and there are fake penises in the window, fake vulvas in the window, blow-up naked dolls. At some point, you're going to have to talk to your child about what it is that they're seeing in that window. And it's the same thing with respect to homosexuality. I think we ought to start talking about uh, homosexuality by certainly by age five. It affects them no differently than if you're talking about sticks, stones, houses, and towns, and people. I mean, they're going to listen, they're going to respect what you're saying, and they're going to move on. I have probably spoken to well over 50,000 kids over my career. Most four- and five-year-olds that I've experienced are going to look at you and go, okay, fine, that's fine. The whole idea of if someone talks to a young child about homosexuality, that somehow that's going to cause them to act gay or act lesbian or become gay or become lesbian, there is absolutely not a shred of empirical evidence to suggest that's remotely true. In fact, just the opposite occurs. They become more informed and they become less curious. By not talking about it, kids are still learning about it. They're just learning about it from sources of information and guidance that are less than ideal. There are those that are learning things that are detrimental to people who are gay and lesbian. I mean, not only are people discriminated against, but you have young gay and lesbian people who are significantly higher risk for suicide. If you tell kids you shouldn't feel this way, you shouldn't think this way, you shouldn't act sexual in any way, that's pretty harmful, I think. My father always told me <laughs> never to masturbate, didn't stop me from masturbating, but it sure as heck made me feel pretty guilty every time I did. I can go into any community in New York City. I can go into a fifth grade class, sixth grade class, seventh grade class, or eighth grade class, and I can mention homosexuality, I can mention transgenderism, and I will have my fair share of rolling the eyes groaning. It's alarming to me that in today's day and age, we still get this sort of response. Where should kids be learning about homosexuality? Things that are important to learn about, we teach them in school. So schools and home, got to be done both. One organisation which is raising the issue in schools is gay rights charity Stonewall. Their primary school materials bear the slogan, different families, same love. Chris Dye, who oversees the programme, told us how it was working 
and why Stonewall thinks it's important to target primary schools. More than two in five primary school teachers say that children in their schools experience homophobic bullying. What, what we know about children in primary schools um, is that they will become withdrawn, um, they won't feel able to choose to do the things that they enjoy doing or to talk about their family situation. Children will uh, veer away from socialising with children outside of school, so not inviting children uh, to their parties or, or to home because obviously then they will find out that they have two dads or two mums. Stoma's been working with primary schools for a number of years now and our suite of resources encourage children to uh, to talk about the fact that there are all kinds of different families and to feel comfortable talking about their own family. I haven't had anybody come to me and say these haven't worked very well in our community or there's been a massive backlash from parents. Sometimes uh, people have a um, fixation with sex and they, you know, they think that if you're talking about sexual orientation and you're talking about gay people, then that means that you're talking about sex to primary school children. And that's no more the case than if you're talking about um, you know, two mu- uh, a mum and a dad, um, that you're talking about heterosexual sexual relationships. Um, Children respond very well to our materials and um, we produced a a training DVD called Celebrating Difference um, where you can actually see the children engaging with the different families' posters and uh, and actually, you know, drawing their own posters of their own families and they respond very, very well and and what primary school staff say is that children at that age, um, they are much more open to difference. Playtime here at St Matthew's Primary School in Cambridge, one of the schools to feature on that DVD. Head teacher Mr Tony Davies and assistant head Miss Elizabeth Steele explained why they used Stonewall's materials. This started a few years ago really now, where we were just beginning to notice that there was some language being used in our playground in a derogatory way that we felt was inappropriate. If you missed a goal, you were called gay. When there were girls arguing, it was you're a lesbian, your mum's a lesbian. It was used as a term of abuse constantly. I don't hear it anymore at all. And I think the children understand what it means to be homophobic and they know it's not acceptable. We had hugely supportive response from parents, but it was one of the questions in our heads. I wonder how people will respond to this. Some parents were worried that it might be going against the teachings of particular faith. When people were saying, well, actually, is this age appropriate for children to be talking about and hearing this kind of language? We were able to say, well, actually, the issue is that children are hearing this language now. But the work we're going to do is to try and prevent them hearing that language used in an inappropriate an unkind way. When we started, people imagined that it wouldn't have any effect, that the children would always be using homophobic language. And we sort of cast our mind back to 10 years previously when racist language was very commonplace. And now it's not at all, it's completely unacceptable. And we felt we could do the same for homophobic bullying as well. And in our school, that's happened. I don't think it's a huge agenda item for the government. I don't think they really know what they want to do with it or how they should handle it. The racist incidents legally you have to record and they get registered onto a database. We decided to go down the same route with our homophobic incidents. I think it would be beneficial to use that nationwide, and so it's established that it's just as awful to do homophobic bullying as it is to have racist bullying. When we started, 
the children had to have parental permission in order to do the work from the sex education point of view. There was actually one child who'd been withdrawn because his parents, he was um, a Muslim boy and she wanted to teach him about sex education in the way that she thought was relevant to her family. When we sent the letters home saying that we were going to do the work on homophobia, she actually phoned me up and asked me what it would entail. And once she realised it wasn't about sexual acts, it was about homophobia, she said, oh, my son must do this. You know, we expect people to tolerate us and our religion and our differences and my son needs to learn to tolerate other people in society. And I took that as a real positive sign. One group which has always been a prominent opponent of what it calls the creeping homosexual agenda in British society is the British National Party. On its website, an article names St Matthews as a proponent of what it calls homosexual propaganda and akin to child abuse. To explain why the BNP is so vehemently opposed to discussing homosexuality in primary schools, here's the BNP's national media spokesman, Simon Darby. There's no reason at all that a child of five years of age should want to know or even need to know anything about uh, same-sex relationships. In my view, it's... uh, tantamount to political paedophilia. We're talking specifically about non-sexual contexts. What's the difference between telling children that mummies and mummies can love each other and mummies and daddies can love each other? Well, that just confuses kids, doesn't it? Traditional families are a mother and a father, and that's the most proven stable relationship to, to bring up kids. Where is it proven? Well, there are a number of studies that have come out to say that that is the most stable Um, a natural way to bring up kids. You only have to Google it and you can see. I don't think it's right that kids should be without fathers. Uh, I don't think it's right that kids should be without mothers. I mean, 90% of people would probably agree with me. I've spoken to a Cambridge psychologist, um, Lucy Blake. She says that research shows that there's no difference. One contemporary psychiatrist can just rip up the books of generations of previous knowledge and experience. The question here is for the rights of children. They're the most important thing. It's not about the rights of gay people. These people don't really think about us. I just expect that if we're going to be tolerant and do a deal, so to speak, then on the other side, we just expect that our kids are not indoctrinated with homosexual propaganda. And most gay people, other than the the gay mafia, would accept that. Okay, who's in the gay mafia? Your friends at Stonewall, pretty much the capos, but there is a very organised gay lobby that are pushing for for gay rights very aggressively. What did Miss Steele make of the BNP's charge that her lessons were planned by a gay mafia hell-bent on robbing children of their innocence? I don't think that they understand what we do. These are primary school children, so we don't talk to them about their own sexuality. We talk about it in the context of different relationships that are within families. We talk to them about perhaps their parents or their aunts and uncles' relationships. It's not stealing their innocence because it's there, it's out there, and families are different. We tried to remedy Simon's lack of knowledge about what the materials involved by reading him a story. So I've got a a children's book here um, about two gay penguins. I was just going to read a little passage from it and... um, do you have ask, to, John? Do you have to read it to me or what? I mean, are you, are you serious? Gay penguins? I'd read a small section. They didn't spend much time with the girl penguins, and the girl penguins didn't spend much time with them. Instead, Roy and Silo wound their necks around each other. Their keeper, Mr Gamze, noticed the two penguins and thought to himself, they must be in love. Well, it's just farcical, isn't it? I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you honestly think that that reading that kind of nonsense is going to be in any help for any kids at all, then 
you must be living in a dream world, to be honest. What about children who go on to face homophobic bullying? What about the are penguins? They... About how the penguins are being bullied. Very okay, good. I'll probably lose sleep. How about that. homophobic bullying of children? Well, again, look at look at the phraseology you're using. Homophobic. What a convenient term. Anybody that dislikes or disagrees with somebody that is pushing forward a, a pro-homosexual agenda. Uh, bullying, again, it's always been around and it's made far too much of in society. It's just a trendy social aspect that we can focus on. Yeah, I don't agree with bullying, um, but I'm afraid there's far worse things that go on in the world. If you could teach one thing to children about families, what would it be? Loyalty. Love. Gay penguins doesn't come into it, though. Daddy. Shows me how to sew. Papa shows me how to throw. This is Iona, aged five, reading with her mum, Emma. What would Iona make of the gay penguins in And Tango Makes Three? There is a great big park called Central Park. Children love to play there. Best of all, it has its very own zoo. Two penguins in the penguin house were a little bit different. One was named Roy, and the other was named Silo. Silo? Roy. Funny name. Funny name. Roy and Silo were both boys, but they did everything together. They bowed to each other Mm. and walked together. But but they're they're both waddling. They are waddling, aren't they? Wherever Roy went, Silo went too. Is Silo the girl? No, they're both boys. They didn't spend much time with the girl penguins, and the girl penguins didn't spend much time with them. Instead, Roy and Silo wound their necks around each other. Their keeper, Mr. Gramsay, noticed the two penguins and thought to himself, they must be in love. They don't have babies. Well, that's right. Should we read about it? Then Mr. Gramsay, the zookeeper, had an idea. He found an egg that needed to be cared for, and he brought it to Roy and Silo's nest. Crack! Out came their very own baby. Now Roy and Silo were fathers. We'll call her Tango, Mr. Gramsay decided, because it takes two to make a tango. A tango is actually a kind of dance, and you always say, it takes two to tango. I think you've seen the tango, actually. Yeah, I've seen it strictly. What do you think about the book? Do you like it? Oh, yeah. What's it about? Daddy penguins and a chicken. Do you think that the penguins who had the egg given to them were different to the other penguins? Yeah, very different. The name is different. Mm -hmm. The age... And the fact that maybe the fact that the baby's got two daddies. Because um, normal people sometimes have two daddies. But I don't know anybody that has two daddies. Which would you like more, just mummies or just daddies? Mummies! <laughs> just mummies. Why is that? Because I, I like girls more than boys. I think daddies will be a bit rough and mummies will be okay. Why is that? Not because of daddy. No, I thought so. And I love babies too. And I hate boys. The book Iona was reading, and Tango Makes Three, by Peter Parnell and Justin Richardson, was, according to the American Library Association, the most complained about book in its libraries between 2006 and 2010. But how would the parents of Cambridge react to a picture book about two boy penguins falling in love? Can read all about it, read all about it, oh, 
every child has to know what's going on in the world, don't they, I suppose? Demonstrates the diversity of family life today. I think it's more interesting that they're gay penguins rather than gay humans. Yeah, that's the story, I think. That's the real angle, is that they're penguins. That's yeah. It is a true story. Um, I wouldn't have anything against it, yeah, as long as the content of the story is, you know, sensible and of good nature, then yeah, I wouldn't be bothered. I'm not entirely sure when I'd choose to bring that up, much as a lot of more adult and slightly more confusing uh, concepts, but yeah, I, I see no particular problem with it. It's not a really young age, no. What, what's a good age? Um, when I can understand a bit more, I think. I do believe, but also it's. I also believe to try and make it into a natural thing and make no stigma against different couples, but not go into too much detail. I would, what he would in, would you? I'll probably, I'll be more open to it, but not at the moment, I, wouldn't, I don't think. I'm not sure, I just think it's natural that people should uh, have a mum and dad in their life. But yeah, I would introduce them to it because the world's changing now and everything, so definitely, I'd, 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 let, him, I'd let him have a read, but... I don't, I'm not against it. Uh, I think it's important to show them a range of stories, to show that everyone comes from all different family makeups, of course. Society, isn't it? We see it all the time. Uh, no, we wouldn't know. Because of our Christian beliefs, we're trying to raise them in a, in a Christian environment where we believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. Can I take a photograph of the book so I can buy it? Absolutely. I think it's really important because at the end of the day, I don't think, we don't live in a world where couples are of the same sex, or they're of different sexes, and in fact, there's so many different, it's important the children are loved, it's irrelevant, that it's a traditional family. We've already heard how gay rights activists think teaching small children that gay people exist is important for avoiding stigma. It also seems that actual families, by and large, don't have much of an issue with the idea, even if they haven't tried it themselves. What of Simon Darby's charges that doing so might harm children? Is there any evidence that being raised by same-sex parents is bad for you? Cambridge psychologist Dr Lucy Blake of the Centre for Family Research doesn't think so. Studies that have been conducted over the last 30 years or so have all reached a similar conclusion, which is there isn't a detrimental effect on children's psychological development of being raised in these families. Children in these families might be asked lots of questions by their peers um, about how their family works. They might have lots of questions and children might find that quite confusing or annoying, but then again, some children might not really mind. But I think by no means um, is it a simple case that all families of this nature in the UK experience stigma and bullying. Children seem quite uh, relaxed and accommodating when you talk about new and different kinds of families and relationships. They're pretty chilled out and they can handle it pretty well. In my personal opinion, I can't think of a reason why you shouldn't talk about different kinds of families at a young age, so from primary school, so that there's an awareness that there are different kinds of families out there. So why all the fuss about introducing children to the idea of homosexuality? We shouldn't be too hasty to conclude that it's misplaced. Alleged harm to children is not the only reason one might oppose teaching primary school kids about gay relationships. We spoke to Sarah, a student here at the University of Cambridge and a Christian. Her God-given morality told her that, whatever the consequences of telling children that there were gay people in the world, 
It wasn't how God wanted people to live. If you do adhere to the point of view that there is a God who has created us and who has perhaps set down some standards of morality to which we should adhere, then that will fundamentally impact what you teach children. If there is a God who has set down principles for life, then maybe we need to look into that. Now, the Bible is very clear that the homosexual lifestyle is not okay. God has created us, male and female. It's possible to have feelings, but feelings are not always correct. There is an absolute standard of morality according to which this kind of relationship is not correct. And so even trying to express that in a watered-down way for children wouldn't be correct. If there is a fundamental baseline of absolute morality which says that heterosexual relationships are the only way in which life should be lived, then regardless of the results on these children, does it still make it right? Um, I'm not 100% certain that there will be no impact whatsoever on children. There would be one impact. Children may think that this kind of lifestyle is okay, when really it's not an okay lifestyle. So, where does this leave us? In this programme, we've heard from all kinds of contributors to the debate on teaching small children about alternative sexualities. We've heard compelling reasons in favour of introducing primary school-aged children to the idea that some people are gay. It makes children of gay parents feel more included. It reduces homophobic bullying. It helps members of the LGBT community come to terms with their own sexuality and gives them examples of how they might explain it to younger relatives. There are counter-arguments, certainly. But careful, some simply aren't valid. There is no clear evidence that teaching children about homosexuality in an age-appropriate way robs them of their innocence or makes them gay. One counter-argument remains. If your religious or ethical beliefs tell you that there is something fundamentally wrong with homosexuality, then even if no harm comes to children by teaching them about it, you might still think it's a bad thing to do. The real debate, it would seem, is whether the harm caused by not teaching children about homosexuality is great enough to mean that those with anti-homosexual moralities ought to keep those moralities to themselves. This is the real hard question for the new big issue of LGBT politics. Yet another important message is that teaching children about homosexuality needn't be a strenuous ordeal. Kids are, generally, very accepting people. For a final word, Let's head back to the cafe to hear one final time from Ben Vincent. All of the family had gone out except for me and my youngest cousin. He came out with, Ben, do you like girls? I sort of thought about it for a second, like, where, where am I going with this? Uh, I could get in trouble depending on how I answer this. So I just sort of turned to him and said, no, no, I don't. And the response was just, oh, oh, good, I don't either. Oh, great. There was a real bonding moment there, the relief on this five-year-old's face. <laughs> to hear that I thought girls were icky. Don't Say Gay was an original documentary made for CAM-FM. The presenter was Ben Weiss, and the producers were Ben Weiss, Joel Lewin, and Max de Haldeweyn.